Yo, welcome everyone to After Credits. I know this is a little bit different of an intro, at least according to the other episodes that I've done up to this point. However, I wanted to give a formal introduction to the guests that I had the ultimate privilege of interviewing and getting so much information, kind of a detailed scoop on what's happening. And that guest is Alex Kugelman, who is the writer and director of Don't Trip, a movie that I am lucky to be a part of. Alex asked me months ago, if not nearly a year ago at this point, I can't believe how fast time is going, but he asked me to help produce this film. Um, He reached out to me from TikTok, he emailed me, he sent me the script, and this was such a cool opportunity. The script is incredible, and I, I just, I had to jump at it, you know, after looking up who Alex was and kind of his work history and what he's been a part of. You know, he's a writer, director, producer. He's written segments for The Late Late Show with James Corden, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, The Oscars. Uh, He's even written bits for, um, you know, Will Ferrell and other comedians. So a really cool opportunity to sit down with Alex and just kind of allow him to to talk to me about this project. Talk to me about his, his, his history in moving from New York to Los Angeles and kind of what got him into filmmaking to begin with and also the struggles that come with it because Alex is in the world. You know, I am outside of the world. I see kind of the, maybe the fun nature. Maybe that's not the right word to use, but I do see this loose, maybe entertaining nature of Hollywood and being a filmmaker or being in that world. And Alex breaks it down, you know, for 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 the positives and the negatives that come with trying to make a career in Hollywood. However, we get an inside scoop to Don't Trip, where it's at, you know, what the production looks like, what we can expect, and it's a really cool conversation. So, before we dive into it, some quick movie news. Um, With Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, because it's nearly out, I believe it comes out on July 12th, so I might be wrong on that, but I believe that is the date that it comes out. However, director Christopher, Christopher McQuarrie Revealed to Empire Magazine that Tom Cruise's motorcycle scene, which I'm sure everybody has seen at this point because there's an awesome 10-minute video on the making of this this scene where Tom Cruise literally drives a motorcycle off of a cliff, and he did so, I believe, six or seven times for this shot, and it's absolutely bonkers, but they shot this scene on the very first day of filming, and Tom Cruise said, well, or he said, quote, Well, we know either we will continue with the film or we're not. Let's know day one. Do we all continue or is it a major rewrite? So kind of an incredible stunt to take place on the very first day of filming on what I would imagine being one of the most ambitious projects of 2023. And then you have part two that will hopefully be coming out next year or the year after that. So we'll see. Um, we'll, we'll see how, how well this movie is received. We'll see if it kind of matches the energy from the last film. I've said this, you know, to friends of mine, I've said this publicly. I think the last film separates itself from the Mission Impossible franchise. I think it was very well made and it's practical and you just bring some incredible star talent. Henry Cavill was awesome in that role. And now we get kind of a buildup, you know, we get a a secondary opportunity with this film coming out. So Without further ado, here's my conversation with Alex Kugelman. I 
have to ask you, and maybe this is just a side question in and of itself. Do you like Diet Coke genuinely for the flavor or because it makes you feel better psychologically that you're drinking something, quote unquote, like better? Like, how do you describe no, I mean, the taste? It's terrible. It's terrible for you. I was raised, <laughs> I was raised on Diet Coke, oddly enough. Um, I never liked Coke. I thought I always thought Coke was just too sweet. And I don't I genuinely like the taste of Diet Coke a lot better than uh traditional coke and even like i prefer it over coke zero which i think coke zero is sort of you know they're they try to bridge the gap there but yeah i i've always drank diet coke it's very bad for you it's not like a health thing i mean like it was a health thing i wouldn't drink soda and i try not to but i'm like i like i'm not like a big drinker so i'm like and like i used to like smoke cigarettes and i don't really do that anymore so i'm like look if I, if I could have one vice, you know. Dude, I don't blame you in the slightest. I drink Coke Zero. I think there's like, though I, I don't mind the taste, I think there's at least for me the subtle side thought of, oh, this is better for me or better than if I were to drink a Coca-Cola, but it's not. Sure. It's like the true yeah. fact that it's not better for me. But I think that in my head a little bit. Well, you're, you're in Salt Lake City, is that right? Or, why, or is that completely Salt Lake off? City. Yep. You are. There's like a big like soda culture there. Am I am I off or is there like a thing there? That is absolutely right. So instead of bars, we have essentially these Mormon bars, I'd like to call them, where they're, they're soda shops. You do mixed sodas and they sell cookies. So it's kind of like your bar and peanuts or like chips and salsa or, you know. Wow. It, the Mormon culture is very intriguing to me because people, it's so normal to me, but it's not normal to anybody else. Yeah, I don't really know any any Mormons at all. It's it's a real culture shock to me. I mean, like I don't. I, I went skiing in Salt Lake City a couple months ago, and I sort of encountered it a little bit at the airport. Like saw some like Mormon homecoming kind of thing. Oh yeah, so, that's a missionary coming home. I served a mission. I used to be Mormon LDS. Really? Yeah. So I I went to the Netherlands for two years. And I knocked on people's doors. I got spit on. I got cussed at. I I tried to sell them Jesus and religion, essentially. But were you raised more? We don't have. Sorry, we don't have to talk about this. We, we could talk, do. We could talk about it. Absolutely. I mean, I'm more than happy to. Yes, I was raised Mormon. So I was brought up in a Mormon family. I have nine siblings. It's holy shit. Were you allowed to like watch movies as a kid, or was it very like censored, or like how how was that? Yeah, so I watched a lot of movies as a kid. I would say there are stages of Mormonism. There's kind of like those Mormons who don't really care. They're kind of like, yeah, I go to church on Sundays, but that's really it. You know, I do whatever I want. And then there are the Mormons who are like, no, like we believe strongly. And they're kind of like no buying. Yeah, a little bit more orthodox. No buying stuff on Sundays. No R-rated movies. No cussing. None of that. So luckily my family was pretty low-key. Like they were normal, I'd say. What, what about you, though? Like, you were raised in L.A., right? I'm from Long Island, which is like a suburb of New York. Um, it's like it's where, like, the Hamptons are. But Long Island, Long Island's massive. It's way bigger than New York City. New York City is, like, tiny. Um, and I grew up in a town called Syosset. Uh, it's about an hour train ride from the city. Um, yeah, and I, I, yeah, was not raised in L.A. I didn't really have any connection to LA. I, I didn't come to LA until I was like 20 years old when I had an internship. Uh, mm. Yeah, I'd always like, it was very like 
mythical to me. I mean, I spent a lot of time in New York City. Um, I lived in the city for a, a very short amount of time. Um, and I like New York City. It's I, it's not somewhere I could like live. It's like in New York City, no one has a car, right? So it's like, as a filmmaker, it's like, you need a car. Like, it's like you need, like, it's like I'm constantly like going to just like prop houses and like picking shit up and like getting materials and like moving around. And like, if, if I, I couldn't imagine making this movie in New York City, it would be so annoying. I mean, I don't know if I had more money then yeah, sure. But like everything was like a lot easier. You made the conscious decision to go from New York to LA to be a filmmaker. Is that right? Yeah. Like that's when yeah, you made yeah. that decision. Okay, so what got you there? Like, what got you to the point where you said, I want to make films. I want to potentially be in films. I want to be around them. Like, how did you get to that point? Yeah, it was it was a long road. I don't know, when I was like 15, maybe maybe even younger, like 14, I like met, uh, you know, a guy at Jewish sleepaway camp, as it goes, who was like writing scripts. And I was like, and I, I mean, I've always been obsessed with movies since... Since I was probably five years old, just obsessed with movies. I have three brothers who are like really into sports and I like it was just not as athletic and I'm like, I don't care about sports. So I think that subconsciously I was like, this is going to be my thing because no one else is doing that thing. Uh, And I just became obsessed with movies and I never really viewed it as like a career. I still am figuring that part out. I don't know how people fucking make money doing this shit. Um, but yeah, I was like, I'm going to do this. Like I was just, I, I, I think I decided when I was like 15 or 16, I think I like kind of like dipped my toe in the water where I was like, oh, I'm going to like be a movie critic or like, you know, cause there were all these sort of jobs around or I'm like, oh, I want to like go into advertising so I could like be like creative and like, and I'm like, you know, if I'm going to do that, it's like, I might as well do it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like there's there's if you're going to take the risk, it's like really take the risk and swing for the thing that you actually want or it's not going to be worth it. I told my parents that well, I, I, I always wanted to be like a screenwriter. You know, it okay. wasn't like it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go to film school and I'm going to be a director. And like because I was like always terrified of cameras like I didn't know how to use a camera like I didn't know I still don't know how I I was just at my cinematographer's house in Encino and he knows how to use a camera and we'll, we'll get into that but like you know I, I think that all these directors that you hear they're like oh yeah I grew up making these little movies on super eight millimeter and I'm like I never did that shit I never was like <laughs> Like, I don't know. I don't I don't know anyone who did. I mean, like, I had, I knew a couple kids in high school who were, like, making, like, sketch comedy, stuff like that. But, like, I don't know. I hear, do you know what I'm talking about where you hear all these interviews with the director? Oh, yeah. Like, me and, like, the kids from the neighborhood, we got together and we made a movie on my, my, my granddad's Super 8. And it's like, I don't know anyone who ever fucking did that. So. This is Christopher Nolan right here. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's every director, J.J. Abrams, and Steven Spielberg, they always talk. I mean, Steve, Steven Spielberg made a movie about it, Fable, that's right. which I love. Like, that, that's awesome. But just, like, that that was just so not my upbringing, like, at all. I, like, had no connection to, like, making movies. I didn't know any artists. I mean, I'm from Long Island. I'm from, like, a, you know, uh, wealthy suburb where every single person is either a lawyer, everyone's Jewish, everyone's a lawyer, a doctor in investment banking or an accountant, you know, these very sort of like linear career paths that, you know, you make a lot of money. So that was really, that was the path that you were sort of put on, you know, like it was like the goal in high school for everyone was to go to an Ivy League school, 
get into investment banking or go to law school or like, you know, have one of these career trajectories that, that make money. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I was like, that seems uh, bad. And my parents, not that they're not supportive. My parents are very supportive, but it's like, they're initially very freaked out by the idea. They were like, you're not going to make any money. This is going to be, it's just not worth it, you know, or it's, or it's not going to happen, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So what was the one, uh, like that conversation, right? Where you're saying, hey, I don't want to become a lawyer, a doctor, an accountant, uh, you know, what? just kind of these really well-paying jobs that most people kind of pursue. What made it so like definitive that you're like, I do not want to do that. Was it just the lifestyle? Like, did you imagine that you would actually be giving up like living or trying for something like being passionate? What kept you from caring about that? I, I think I had like a very like romanticized idea about like, cause like once I got the idea in my head of like moving to LA and like being like a screenwriter, I was like, I have to do it. I was like, that seems so cool. Like that's all, you know, like that, lifestyle and like this big adventure and it's so foreign and it's just like I just didn't uh I just wanted to get out of Long Island I was like I I everyone there I mean there are there are obviously you know some great people um that I you know still am very good friends with and I love those people but you know there were so many people who were like all the same you know you come from like a small town it's like everyone's like the same person it's like very like cookie cutter and like you just kind of saw this like you know this like lifestyle this rinse and repeat where it's like people you know they went to high school they graduated they went to one of like seven colleges they all went to the same schools they all moved into manhattan they all got the same jobs and then eventually they all had kids and then they moved back to long island which is great and you know like and uh, that's that's great and like i'm realizing that like you know life (laughs) like life's a lot simpler (laughs) that way and like people are a lot happier in different ways than what, what i am and i don't have any like financial security and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you know, there's give and takes. But I realized I was like, I don't want that. You know, like I was like, I I, I just need to go do this thing. Um, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to film school. I'm like, I'm going to go to either USC or UCLA. And my parents were like, you were not paying for that. And you're not, you can't get into either of those schools. And I was like, I'll figure it out, I'll figure it out. And then I went to my guidance counselor. She's like, there's no way you're going to get into either of those schools. And I was like, okay. So I had a friend, or I had like a family friend who went to like UC Boulder. And I was like, okay, that's pretty far away from Long Island. And they, I think they had a film program. Also, I was like really into like snowboarding and like smoking pot. That was like, I was like very into smoking pot. And, I, and that was like the place to do it, right? And I was like, okay, cool. Like this is like a place to like be creative and like smoke weed. And I don't know, can I talk about this stuff on here? Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, I was like, okay, I want that lifestyle. And then I'm going to graduate from there or I'm going to go to the film school and be creative. And then I'm going to go to LA. Uh, there are aspects of college that I did like. There were a lot of aspects that I didn't. I thought the film school at Boulder, I had a lot of problems with it. Like I was like, hmm. they, they were trying to do something very um, different than what I was trying to do. I was trying to like have a career in Hollywood and be like, how do I get a job as a screenwriter? How do I get a job on set? How do I make money? And they were like, we don't teach that. Everything th- that the program was about was like, this is how you make like experimental film and like shooting something on like 16 millimeter and then like burying the film in the ground and like, waiting for the sun to rise and then exposing the film. And I was like, how do I get a job? And they were like, we don't do that. And I was like, okay, is there a screenwriting class I can take? They were like, we don't have screenwriting classes. So I was like kind of shit out of luck. I was like, okay, I could either 
not rough it out. I mean, I had a lot of fun and like I've met my producing partner who is producing the movie that I'm working on today. I met him in college. I've known him for over 10 years now um, through through Boulder. But yeah, it was like I, I was a creative writing major in college. I have taken like one screenwriting class, but everything has been like sort of self-taught, you know, like I, I, I took two film classes in Boulder. I took intro to film. I think I got a C minus in the class. I took, I took like film 201, which was like, you learn a film on super eight, probably also got like a C plus. Also, I was like, just, I don't smoke pot anymore, but like, I was just, I was smoking so much pot. And I'm like, I just got to get out of here. I'm like, it was the same shit with long where I'm like, I just got to get to LA and then all my problems will be solved. And like, once I get to LA, everything's going to click. And like, I'm going to, I have this script that I'm going to sell. and I'm going to be this big deal and blah, 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 blah. And then guess what happened after that you know it's like yeah i was gonna say did you get your fairy tale ending in la or is it now just another another chapter in the long-winded book that you're uh going through yeah right now? i mean that it, it's it's this it was a very similar situation where it's like you know i had this romanticized idea and i got here when coming from long island coming from colorado no one else was writing screenplays you know so it was like it was like kind of like not a big deal, but it was like a cool thing where it's like, oh, wow, like I'm doing like my own thing. And then I moved to L.A. like and I thought I was hot shit with my script. And then it's like every single person in L.A. has a screenplay. Every fucking person you meet who drives Uber, who works with you, who's an assistant, <laughs> every single person has a script that they're trying to get made. So it was like very sobering and like a real like wake up call that it's like, oh, shit, like they're. This is not going to be... I thought it was going to be way easier. Like, I thought that I was going to move to L.A. And then in, like, 18 months, I was going to sell a script, like, in a bidding war. And I was going to be, like, this big deal. And, you know, I mean, I was, like, 20, 20 years old. Like, I had no fucking idea. And, and how old are you now? I'm, I'm 75 years old, it feels like. <laughs> uh, no, I'm uh, I'm 29. Okay, okay. So you've had some good experience kind of dipping your toes in the water Obviously, being an assistant in Hollywood, working for yeah. different studios, you know, writing for The Late Late Show with James Gordon, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert and the Oscars. I got to ask, A, how did you even learn how to write a script? And B, how did you like what did you write for the Oscars? Because this is this is a big deal, you know, I mean, to anybody outside of L.A., I'm sure even people in L.A., it's, it's a big deal. And so I'm, I'm curious. That that shit's all sort of embellished. I mean, like, I have written content that's been featured on, you know, the Oscars, to say the least. I wrote for the People's Choice Awards. I was a writer's assistant on that. Um, and I got to write a bunch of jokes for some really big people. So that was really cool. And then I, yeah, I mean, I've written, like, bits and content through the Internet that have been featured on these platforms. So it's like, you know, it's it's... I, I, I was never like hired by them. I just write that on my website to make it seem like I'm a bigger deal than I am. So sorry <laughs> to disappoint. It doesn't disappoint me in the slightest. I think the script idea, though, the script one is really cool. How did you learn how to write a script? Because that's what I'm in right now. I'm writing a short film, and it's fucking hard, dude. It's hard to write a script because you have the idea, and then there's all these layers that unravel not only the script, but then the shot list and then you have to plan out the day and figure out every bit of i'm starting to see the stress that you're yeah. dealing with on a very smaller scale so how's that been for you it's been a lot of trial and error where it's like i think that that's the thing where i think that it's like you have all these people who are on tiktok and instagram and they're like 
you know, I have the key. I have, I have the magic key to success. So, you know, if you pay me $200, I'll tell you what's wrong with your script and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, here's, here's the key. And like, it's like, you know, it's like weight loss or like anything where it's like, there's no trick. There's no magic trick here. Here's the trick. You need to suffer uh, for a long time. You know what I mean? Where it's like, you know, there, there's no, there's, it's like, how do you lose 40 pounds? There, there's no magic trick. It's like, you need to suffer for a long time for, you know what I mean? And it's That's the same a good thing. Point. How do you, how do you write a good script? And it's like, you have to write a lot of bad scripts. I mean, it's like, I, I'm only sort of where I'm at because I started writing really young. You know, I, my, I wrote my first script when I was 15 years old because I knew that it was going to take so long to get good at this thing. And, you know, that was 15 years ago. So it's like, I, that, that's the only way is you just have to do it many times. And it's like, it's like a 10,000 hour thing. It's like, how do you get good at playing guitar? It's like, I've probably written like a dozen movies, like a dozen feature films that, you know, will never see the light of day, you know, because it's just like, I just sat in a room for years and years and years and I'll do it for the rest of my life. I'll keep writing these movies. You know, I think there's a great uh, interview with Ira Glass from NPR where he kind of talks about like, I think when you're young, you have, you have really good taste, right? Where it's like, you, Spencer, have really good taste. Like, you know what you like, you like really good movies. And then you want to make something that matches that taste level, right? Yeah. You want to make something that's as good as, as Damien Chazelle or one of your, or Paul Thomas Anderson, or then you make your thing and you're looking at it and you're like, why is it not the same? You know what I mean? Where it's like, it's like, <laughs> I didn't get it. It's, it's like you go to a restaurant, you, you go to a five-star restaurant and you order like, you know, a really complicated dish, like a, you know, a really fancy steak or whatever the fuck. And it tastes so good. And then you try to recreate it at home and you're like, why doesn't it taste the same? What, what? Same ingredients. What? Yeah. What am I missing? Right. Or maybe it's not the same ingredients. You know what I mean? Where it's like, like, let's say there's two chefs, you know what I mean? Where it's like one chef has had 40 years of experience, has worked at a million restaurants. You gave him the worst ingredients in the worst kitchen versus like a chef that's right out of culinary school who like thinks they're hot shit with the best ingredients in the best kitchen it's like who do you think's going to make the better meal you know what i mean where it's like experience sort of trumps the you know i think that that's sort of the mystery i think that or i think that's sort of the misconception where a lot of people are like oh these filmmakers are they only make good films because it's like they have access to all the money where it's like no it's like they they have the wherewithal they have the knowledge they have the know-how where it's like you know it's the same comp where i would say like what would you rather see would you rather see a film, you know, tw- like a $20 million film by like some fucking film student who thinks they're hot shit and who hasn't made anything? Or would you rather see a $100,000 film by Steven Spielberg like shot on his iPhone? It's like 10 out of 10 times oh, that yeah. Steven Spielberg's going to make the more interesting thing, even if he has less equipment and less, you know what I mean? Like, because it's, it's, it really comes down to the, the experience and like the trained knowledge and I, you know what I mean? And it's like, I, I'm trying to figure that shit out now. It's like, you know, it's here's the tricky thing with it is that directing is an expensive thing to practice. It 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 is what it is one of the only art forms in which like to show up and practice it. It does I mean it doesn't have to be. It it can be you can do it on a small scale where it's like writing a short, shooting it on your iPhone, like that's practice. That that's that's really what that is. To to do it on a bigger scale when there's money at stake and shit like that, it's like yeah, you got to like pay to play a little bit, but, but like writing's different. Writing it costs 
all writing costs is your time. It's just you in a room with a laptop. You don't even need a laptop. You can fucking write on paper. It's like, it's just time. That That's all that it is, is that you just have to spend time doing it. Um, so how do you match that? You guys have the, the writer strike going on. I saw it firsthand when I went to LA for that day that I was there. Yeah. I mean, what's going to be that balance, right? I mean, I, I'm sure you feel some sort of maybe emotion to it, or maybe you don't. I'm not really affected by it. I mean, I, I am... In some ways, I, I'm not in the WGA, so it's like I don't um, have too much of like a dog in the fight. I, I know people who are in the WGA, and I know people who are affected by this, and I think that, you know, one million percent the writers should get everything that they're asking for, and these studios have like so much money that, of course, they should give it up. But um, I don't know. I've kind of have been on the other side. I've kind of have been trying for years to like get in the WGA and like get staffed on one of these shows and like sort of like play the game. And, you know, I think that the strike has shown, if anything, that it's like, it's a bad game to play. And like the game is very rigged and it's like, there really isn't as much money in it as people think that there is. And it's like, I don't know. I'm sure you've seen all of these horror stories coming out of like these people who are writing on huge shows. I'm sure I don't know if you saw it. There was this article about this kid who was nominated for like a Golden Globe because he wrote on Abbott Elementary. And it's like he couldn't even afford to go to the Golden Globes. Like it's like he couldn't even because they don't Jeez. pay shit. And, and that's why, you know, the WGA is on strike and they should be on strike. But also like I it has kind of reinforced my belief in, in the way that I'm doing things where I am trying to make something that circumnavigates the system. You know what I mean? Where like I, yeah. I don't have to wait for a studio to give me permission to make my movie. Granted, I'm not going to make a million dollar movie. I'm not going to make a $5 million movie. I'm not going to make a $500,000 movie. I have to make a $200,000 movie. But if it's like the choice between actually getting to shoot a $200,000 movie and like having a finished product or like waiting around and crossing my fingers for the chance to potentially possibly shoot a million dollar movie. It's like, I choose the $200,000 movie every single time and I will forever. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I, that, that's the biggest lesson that I've learned over the past 10 years where it's like, I, I tried for so long to sort of play this game and find this angle. I mean, and that's really what the movie I'm making is about, you know, in, in many ways is about someone who is trying to find that angle um, and, like, find a way in. I don't know. It's like there is no answer. It's like that's that's the thing that bothers me is that it's like how do you break into the industry of screenwriting? And it's like there is no industry of screenwriting. Like, it's like it doesn't exist. Like, your best shot at making money as a screenwriter is to, like, write some fucking, like, reboot of a Marvel IP, like, thing, which is, like, whatever. Great. If you want to do that, if that's your dream, great. It's like I don't <laughs> – you know what I mean? It's like – You don't, yeah. The, that's the best shot that you get at making money now. Where it's like, I mean, look at like, um, what was that movie with Francis McDormand? Nomadland. Yeah, uh, Nomadland won the Oscar. Yeah. yeah, great film, right? It was like great independent anti-capitalist film. Like, I loved it. I thought it was really great. And then the director, it was directed by Chloe Zhao, right? Yes, I believe that is correct. Right. So her follow-up to that movie was... Uh, Marvel's Eternals. And I don't I don't blame her because it's like 
as a director, that's the best shot that she's ever going to have at making that level of money. You know what I mean? It's like, so you gotta, if someone were to, if, look, Marvel wants to fucking write a check for me for seven figures to direct a movie, yeah, great, let's do it. But like, (laughs) you you know, but like, what I'm saying is creatively, that's like the only shot you get at like making decent money in this profession. I don't know. I'm sure that there's a fucking a bunch of other people who are more successful than me. They're like, no, he's wrong. And blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, no, I, I don't know. I mean, you are, you are genuinely in the experience, right? And you said this at the very beginning of our episode where you said, Hey, you know, people on social media and I fall in that category kind of see it from an outside perspective of, Hey, we have eyes on a product. Like, you can market this product differently, but I don't. Th- I think there's definitely a naive aspect to that thinking because I'm not associated with movies. I've never been on a movie set. I don't even know what that looks like. I would yeah. like to know what that looks like, but it, it's so different when you are working around it, whether it's from being an assistant or working on a film yourself, being an actor, whatever the case may be, I think there is a level of understanding the reality of, okay, this is what I can, and this is what I cannot accomplish. And I can try as hard as I I want, but this is what it's going to look like. And I feel like this is a great, like, I don't know, maybe tie or transition to Don't Trip, because this is how you and I even met each other. I make content on TikTok. Mm -hmm. You reached out to me. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was a scam, because Alex, Alex emailed me, and he said, hey, you know, I am a writer and director, and I am about to make my first feature film. And I want you to be a part of it. And I was like, this just sounds way too fucking good to be true. (laughs) There's no way, like, you know, because I am a massive cinema fan. I know there's a bunch of people who make content on TikTok that really just like maybe those niche things. Like, they they don't maybe like past that, which is totally fine. I love movies. I fucking love movies. I love cinema so much. I do everything I can to just watch as much movie content as I can. So seeing that... And then, you know, I got to know you, and then you sent me the script, which I believe is a 96-page script. It's it's fucking great, man. Like, this movie is so cool. And from the get-go, you know, from the... I'm not going to obviously spoil anything, but there's such a shift in movement from the intro to the middle to the, the highs and lows of, you know, unexpected turnouts. It's really enticing and engaging. And so I instantly wanted to be a part of it. I said, cool, how does this work? You know, and you kind of did the money ball aspect or I guess routine where you said hey instead of spending a shit ton of money let me just look at it analytically which may or may not have worked as well as we wanted it to but you brought on a set of creators to be a part of this project and to market it and to have it out in the world and that's where we are now where you just went through fundraising yeah how did that end up by the way because we're in pre-production but how did that end up yeah we raised one hundred twenty thousand dollars on kickstarter Um, hell yeah which is amazing. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's incredible. Fucking, it's crazy. It's a lot of money. And thanks to, you know, I mean, you and everyone else who came on board and, and boosted this thing. And, and um, yeah, I mean, it was it, it, it kind of came about because I, 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 I knew that this is what I wanted to do for a while before this. I was writing big scripts. I was writing, you know. I, I, the last thing I wrote before Don't Trip, the movie that we're about to shoot, is a movie called The Bachelor, which, um, you know, is a big rom-com. It's about two friends who con their way onto The Bachelor and then, like, pretend not to know each other and so that they could, like, rig the show and then they fall in love and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I love that script and, you know, I hope one day it gets made. But it's like, if I want to make that script the way that it should be made, I need $10 million. And... Um, you know, and I even went as far, I wrote the script, I worked on it for years, I did rewrites, and 
this and that. And people are like, oh, go make a proof of concept. And I'm like, okay, great. So I raised, I raised a bunch of money. I raised like $7,000 and I shot a proof of concept and showed it to everyone. And they're like, yeah, this is awesome. And I was like, okay, are we going to like make a movie? And they're like, no, like, what are you talking about? (laughs) So it was, it was like, that's it. And it kind of like solidified in my mind where I was like, okay, like, fuck this. Like I'm, I'm so done like writing things on spec. And then I was writing a movie for, uh, you know, a big company that asked me to write a movie for them and they weren't paying me shit. And I hated the idea and I, I didn't like the creative and how I was being treated. And I was like, I was like, what? I was like, I just gotta go do the thing. I'm like, I just gotta, I gotta just write something that I can shoot and raise the money for and shoot it and just do it. Like I, I can't like, Time is like running out. I felt, and I mean, it's not. I mean, I'm not even 30 years old yet, but I'm like, let's go. Like, we gotta like fucking make a move. You're movie antsy. Here. Like, the, you you just want something to start happening. You've been working hard. You've been fucking spending all your time since you're yeah. 15 years old writing scripts. Like, hey, I need something to start brewing a little bit. Right. Well, I'm just like, let's. Uh, well, I, I mean, in the it's funny because in the process of making the the short for that. The Bachelor, I made like a short version of it. It was like a real like crash course in directing. I had directed something prior with my producing partner, Trevor Rothman, who's genius and my partner in crime and everything. Um, But this was like my first sort of solo venture, you know, and I was like, oh, like this is it. I'm like, I have to be direct. Like, like I thought that when I moved out here, I was like, oh, like the, the creative process of like working with like development executives and like talent agents, like that's going to be the cool thing. And it's not at all. That part fucking sucks. Like I, I, <laughs> I have no desire to do that. It's like, it's, you know, kind of like a necessary evil at points. You know, there are great people, there's shitty people, whatever. But like the real joy and the real fun part of the whole process is working with like actual other artists you know like sitting down with my dp at his house and and literally going shot by shot and being like here's how we're going to shoot this and how are we going to achieve this and you know working with my production designer and being like okay well what does this set look like and like what does the color scheme look like and how do we achieve this and working with editors and uh you know lighting design people and like that is where i felt more fulfilled in years than than all of like the meetings i took and you know and all that other shit and it kind of like flipped a switch at me where i'm like you can you don't need a, that that was the thing i learned where it's like you don't need a movie studio to make a movie you just need money you know like that's it it doesn't you don't like i thought for a while where it's like oh you need a studio you need this infrastructure to make a film and it's like even really big movies are independently made sometimes. You know what I mean? Where it's like actors throwing their own money all the time. It's like this script, like, you know, and where we're at with the project and the talent that we have attached now to do this, it's only happening because there's money. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's not even a lot of money. It's not even a lot of money. It's, it's, it's like, you know, compared to other projects, you know, there's way more money, but the script sort of speaks for itself. You know what I mean? Where it's like, before, you know, the script was all I had, you know what I mean? Where it was like, I was waiting for someone to read the script and be like, okay, great, I'm going to give it to this director and he's going to find the financing and it's all going to happen. And I kind of realized that like, oh, I have to do all of this or it's just not going to happen in terms of writing the script, raising the money and, you know, putting a team together, like, or it's just not going to happen. That makes sense. Before we even dive further, you know, this film is about a struggling screenwriter. You know, he becomes friends with the son of 
a producer. He's a douche, but he's also like a, a cool guy. You know, he's 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 relatable. He's welcoming, but he's also kind of a dick. And he's got this equal comedy slash like like I don't know somebody you don't like, but like at the same time vibe. And then the main character is very much, in my opinion, after reading this, we we relate to him so much. You know, it's almost like the person we are without showing the world on social media or at a family get-together. It's like when you're by yourself, that reminds me of that character because he's very much intuitive of like, this is how I feel and I need to figure out how I get from point A to point B and I don't know how to do it. And so this is inspired by the player, the cable guy, uh, good time, Ingrid goes west. What... What was that light bulb? Okay, you said that you made you wanted to make The Bachelor, but that's, you know, a five, ten million dollar film. What sparked you in this direction to write this script? A lot of it was my fiance. She doesn't work in Hollywood, she works in tech. Uh, she comes from a very different world. She's an incredible engineer and business person and she's way smarter and better than I am at everything. Um and she she kinda like came into my life and looked at what I was doing and how I was trying to do it and she was like this she she just saw like how broken and backwards the Hollywood system was, and kind of pushed me to be like, you just have to make your own thing. Like you know, it was it was she she really helped with that realization of being like, you just got to write something on your own and like raise the money and just fucking do it. And I was like, you're right. And then they kind of became like, okay, well, what what's the movie that I can make? I don't. I it was like sort of inspired by a very close friend of mine who. You know, it was kind of like loosely inspired by him, who's like a poet and like this artist, and like he's like a very goofy. Uh, he's he's really nothing like Trip. You know what I mean? Trip is the main is the is the antagonist in the movie. He's the producer's like nepo rich kid, and you know my friend is really nothing like that. Like they're both like sort of artists. Um, Trip is a much worse person. He's he's a bad guy. Um, where my friend isn't, so I kind of had to like detach reality, you know, like like what I knew into into making that. And I was like, I just think it would be really. Int- I never wanted to write anything about like myself or like being a screenwriter. Like I always, it's kind of like the cardinal rule is like you're like not supposed to write that shit. You know, it's like you're not supposed to write about Hollywood. You're not supposed to write about someone trying to be a screenwriter and. You know, for good reason. It's like, I, I get it. That's fair. But I was, and I never have before this. I, you know, I have written bank robbery movies. I've written stuff about, you know, just just all kind of other shit that's really not about Hollywood. So this is the first one where I was like, yeah, I guess I should sort of make a very highly dramatized, highly fictionalized account of, of how I was trying to get shit done. I watched Misery, um, which is a great uh, Rob Reiner movie, Stephen King book. Uh, oh, wow. I've, n- I've never even heard of this. you never seen Misery? No. Uh, Misery's a great movie with Kathy Bates and James Caan. It's, uh, it's about a writer who um, gets into a car accident and he wakes up. Like he gets, into, It's like a really snowy road in the middle of nowhere and he wakes up and he's in uh, a woman's house who's like a huge fan of him and she's like nursing him back to health but he's she's actually keeping him captive there um and i thought that that dynamic was really interesting yeah oh yeah and it's like a horror movie it's awesome misery is really great highly recommend it and i was like oh that's an interesting dynamic and it's also something that can be done cheaply in that it takes place in like one location um so i was like oh what if it was this kid trying to get to this producer's son 
but he gets taken hostage in this house kind of thing, which what, which, you know, it slowly evolved into that. And I wrote probably like five or six or seven drafts of it. And then it finally got to like, oh, like, this is the thing. This is like what it should feel like and sound like. And, you know, a lot of it was, um, figuring out who I wanted to be in it, you know, like. Once I figured out that my friend Will Sennett, who's a comedian, who's a fucking genius, and he's starring in the movie, um, I wrote it kind of pretty much for him to play this character because I think he's so fucking funny and original and just, like, kind of, you know, like, he just has this vibe. Um, And once he read it and he was like, yeah, let's do it, I was like, all right, we have to do this. Like, you know. Hell yeah. Let, let me ask you then, because we're in the midst of it, you know, you, you're pretty much, you're about to start filming in August. I mean, is that still the plan? Is August yeah. the date that's that's locked in? Okay, so yeah. do you have, I mean, actors, I mean, I need, a, I need an update. I need to know, like, where are we at? What, is it, what does it look like? Yeah, yeah, we have actors. Pretty much we're waiting on one more role to be cast for the dad um i can't say who the other people are yet i'm sure there's going to be some sort of like announcement um but yeah we're we have we're one role away we've cast all the other roles that's that's been one of the biggest obstacles is getting talent you know like you know solid actors who are like also names um who have like sort of like followings that's you know been a, a big challenge and there's a lot of hurdles and legal hurdles and, and dealing with agents and it's just a lot it's just a lot of hurdles a lot a lot more than just dming somebody on instagram and asking them to be in your movie <laughs> it's not you know, it's not going to be that simple you know i mean it's sort of like that but like on a on a higher level and it's like there it's definitely a lot of like relationships and like you know networking and blah 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 and all that shit but like you know some of the people that are in the movie like complete you know like i i have had a relationship with and like i've known for years and then other people who are in the movie it's like i cold called their agent and i was like i think this person's really awesome and could be great for this role and they're like yeah let's check it out and it actually happened you know what i mean like that that was a real thing and oh like, yeah that's definitely a possibility and and um if the script's good enough you know what i mean where it's like at the end of the day people want to act in good things and it's not necessarily like yes there has to be some money but it's like it's not all about money for a lot most for artists for actors you know it's like you know good scripts are rare you know good scripts are hard to come by so it's like i think people are willing to hop on board of a cool project if the script is good and and it's actually moving you know what i mean like it's like it's actually um being made but yeah we have locations we have production designer working i met up with my costume designers yesterday we're hiring hair makeup just a lot of pieces coming together. dude how do you feel like is this is this nerve-wracking is it satisfying are you excited are you fucking scared like what are you feeling at this moment because things are coming together yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely um, all the above. It's it's a lot. Um, you know, it's very it's very weird because it's like the Kickstarter was a very like public journey, right? Where it's like, oh, like I'm I'm posting on social media a ton, and like 
you know, and now it's kind of like on the opposite route where it's like, okay, we're trying to like keep it like DL and like, okay, now we just need to like make the movie, especially like in the face of the, the writer's strike. It's like, I don't, I don't want to be posting about like, look, like, you know, like in the face of all these people who aren't working and being like, uh, you know, it's, it's not really a good look to be posting like, oh yeah, we're, ma- and we're making this movie and like, we're all excited when all these people like aren't working. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, is there is there one element that you want to gain most? Like, is it, hey, this could be where I actually earn money. Hey, this could be like my end saying I've made a feature film. Now this will lead to new opportunities, more connections. Like what maybe yeah, is the biggest I mean, benefit for you? Yeah, I mean, I hope both of those things happen. I mean, that would be sick. You know, like I, I, I want to make money with the movie. I want to sell it. I want to get jobs maybe or just you know like have an easier time fundraising for my next film you know what I mean or make enough money to self-finance my own film or you know like I, I I try not to like think about that shit I try to just like make the best movie um that I can I try to manage expectations you know also I'm like I just want to focus on making the thing um yeah because I've, I've gone down that rabbit hole many times you know, where I've, I've, you know, like, oh, this person read the script. They loved it and it's going to happen. I've been told a million times, like, yeah, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. And, you know, 10 out of 10 times it, like, breaks your fucking heart. So I'm like, I, I have, you know, almost gotten numb to, you know, like, yeah, it's great. But, like, I'll believe it when I see it. So I'm like, let's just fucking make the movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, That's a good point. I mean, I, I will say, though, from somebody who you know, loves this world, is trying to get closer and closer into it, but doesn't know much about it. Like, writing a script is fucking cool. So I know that that doesn't generate money. You know, a script itself is not necessarily the one thing that's going to solidify, you know, mortgage and taking care of your family. But it is an art that nobody's doing. Like, on the scale of what people are doing day-to-day with, you know, really good work in accounting, finance, law, you know, everything in between... That's a cool art that you just don't see much of. So I know that's like part of the journey. Now there's the second yeah. part of it, but it's really cool that you're kind of in the second half. You know, it's like the, yeah. the NBA final second half. We're about to start the third quarter, and you know, you shoot in August. You, what is it going to be like a month? Is what are you what are you kind of imagining the time frame on shooting? Uh, we have uh, eleven shoot days. That's it. That's the whole thing. Eleven shoot days. Let's go. And then how long? I mean, I, I assume this comes as you, you're working on it, but do you have a time frame for, like, post? Like, is that, like, a month to month project, like, five months? Yeah, it's going to take a few months to, like, actually have a finished uh, product, hopefully sooner. But um, it's definitely dependent on, like, festivals and all that shit. And, like, we want to get it ready for South by Southwest. I mean, uh, South by or Sundance, I think the submission deadline is, like, September. And it's like we finish filming in August, so it's like there's no way. Um, so we'll have to wait. But I like, mean, are are we are we about to go to uh, the Sundance Film Festival and then come back to my casa for some drinks and celebrate? I mean, that sounds like that's going to yeah, happen dude. because yeah, dude. I'm. I'll see you there. I'll see you on the slopes. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, if that happens, awesome. If not, God bless. But like to me, I'm like, I just, we just gotta film the movie. <laughs> you know? What I mean? Yeah. No, that's fair. And I know that there's there's a lot of work to do. And, you know, that's something... Once again, I'm from an outsider's view. So I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of work. You're like, yeah, fuck, there is a ton of work. You know? so, <laughs> um, 
Is there anything that you want anybody listening, whether that's one person or a million people, is there anything you want somebody to know about this film? Like, just anything in general. It could be why you made it. It could be the product itself, the message that you want people to get yeah. afterwards. It could be just, hey, enjoy it for what it is. We, I, I like to think that this is an underdog story. You know, we, we don't have a studio behind us. You know, we have every single dollar raised for this movie has come from money that I've asked people for. And like independently, it's come from other artists. It's come from, you know, family and friends that I've like begged and scraped together. So it's, it's definitely, um, the biggest labor of love that I, I've ever made. You know, I, I hope that people like it, you know, when it gets made. I hope that people don't torrent it. I hope people pay for it. That would be sick. But yeah, and I hope it inspires other people to be like, oh, this fucking idiot did it. I can do it. So <laughs> I, I just see so many people, especially out here, who are so talented, who are spending all of their time and energy sort of like playing this like, game that's a good i I like the analogy too i mean even in the day and age of social media that's also a game it's a game by numbers by people saying we like what you're putting out and so you say i'm gonna keep doing it when in reality it's like maybe just start your own thing you know maybe make your own content draw people in just yourself rather than focus so much on i need to get all these views i need to get you know a million dollars for the movie i made whatever the case may be with that analogy I just think yeah. it's really cool. And, you know, I'm excited to see yeah. what happens. I'm excited to visit the set. You know, I'm excited to just be as involved as I can from a very far, far outside view. But, yeah, man, it's really cool. Any feedback, notes, anything else on your mind? What's, what's your script? What are you working on? Oh, yes. So the the film is it's technically untitled. Stupid Deep is what I so the song by John Bellion kind of sparked this mindset that I had. Driving home, put the song on, and, and I just started like visualizing like the script and what I wanted to make. So it's kind of a it's a counter reflection of like the way you essentially are in both sides of energy. So like there are plenty of times that you think that you are the center of the world, and you're just like, why is this person taking so long? Why why can't like this person drive better? Why can't you move? And then there are the other times that you're the person being honked at, you're the person being nagged at, and I think showing people the contrast of those emotions is really cool. So I'm drawing up a script to kind of elaborate on those and allow people to kind of self-reflect. Shit. Sounds deep. Yeah, it is a deep film. I So one of my close friends, he's a really, really deep, emotionally, just he's a, he's a very deep person where we have these long conversations. We delve into a lot, taboo, things people don't like talking about to truly trying to expand our knowledge and everything. And I just thought he was perfect for this idea, and he agreed to be in it. Um, I, I told him there's not much, there's minimal dialogue, so I think he'll be all right. But I think that emotional presence will draw quite the emotion that I want from an audience member. So, yeah, I'm excited. It'll be fun. That's awesome. It'll be man. fun. Are you, you um, going to direct it? Yeah, yeah. So that's the goal is, you know, I, I had a harsh reality. I asked, you know, one of my best friends. I was like, hey, do you want to film this? And I was like, just be unbiased. It won't hurt my feelings. Here's what it is. And here's the idea. And he essentially said no. He's just like, I just think that's too much of an undertaking. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to just, you know, kind of feeding off of your energy. I want to, I want to try to step in. I want to try to do as much as I can. The only thing that I've truly ever written and directed was a 
a, a commercial for a social media marketing company to like promote their their company. And, you know, we did have three different shoot days and we had plenty of different locations and we had to plan those. So that was really fun. And I, I loved that element and seeing it come together. But at the same time, you come to the realization, like you've said, people don't care as much as you do, you know, when it comes to your product. So you got to kind of figure it out and make it yourself. You, you have to just do it. It's, yeah. it's scary. Um, but by the end of it, you're going to be like, oh, like. That's how you do that. That's how you do that. That's how you do. And you're and you're gonna go to the edit and you're gonna see it and you're gonna be like, we should have done it that way. Or you know, it's just it's invaluable. You know what I mean? Like, can I give you advice? Do you want advice? Please, absolutely. Yeah. Don't spend more than like five thousand dollars on this movie. That's my advice. In my opinion, because I, I I genuinely appreciate the people in my life because they're talented. If they are willing to work with me on a passion project. I think we can make this for quite minimal amounts of money. And so that is yeah. the goal is I don't want to spend a lot of money on this. Um, yeah. I just really want to bring it to life. And then if it comes to life, then maybe I'll have more confidence. So yeah. that is great then, advice. I yeah. Don't because you're going to burn yourself out. You know, it's like it's way better because it's like, I don't know. I met some people who were like, we're, I'm making a hundred thousand dollars short film. And it's like, you can make a feature film for that much money. It's like, what are we talking about? So um, you're proving that right now. Literally. And uh, if, if anybody's listening, the, the stress going through Alex's face as he's like, "We're about to fucking unload on this journey, and I don't know what, like, how to piece yeah, my thoughts good. together." Oh, good, it's all. Good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm excited for you, man. I can't wait to see your movie. Um, keep me updated with it, and I want to read the script. I want to, you know, be any resource that I that I possibly can um, for anything that you need. So please. I appreciate that, man. I will definitely be sending it your way. I want to get your thoughts. I want to get your ideas. Um, I have one last question to leave it off. I know this is a super broad question. Do you have a favorite movie of all time? Actually, here, here, I, I, I got a better question. What's the last movie that made you feel something? That you left and you were like, whoa, I fucking... And it could be an old movie that you just recently watched, but where you just leave and you're like, I am thinking about this movie after this movie ended, and usually I end movies and just move on with my night. Mm, that's a good question. Um, what was I read that? I, I Sometimes when it's like really late at night, I'll start movies that I've seen many times just because like I like them. I did that the other night at like 12.30 at night. I started watching Night of Cups. Uh, do you ever see that movie, the Terrence Miller no. film? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very pretentious art house shit. Uh, it's with Christian Bale and Natalie Portman. Um, Terrence Malick directed Tree of Life. You ever see that movie? No, I don't know this filmmaker. Oh yeah. Look up Terrence Malick. He's, he's great. Terrence Malick. Okay. Um, very intense, uh, borderline pretentious, definitely pretentious filmmaker. Um, but I love him. I think he's genius and I, I really like Knight of Cups, the film that he made, among okay. others. Knight of Cups, that's it. Alex, you're the man, dude. Thank you for jumping on oh, and talking a little bit about Don't Trip. We'll chat with everybody uh, next time. Until then, peace. Peace.